you know we are at the end of our year-long series that we've been looking at, which is God is, yeah, thank you, somebody. Our theme has been what, y'all? God is who? And again, by now, many of you are theologians. Amen. You're deep in the word now, because you, you, you already know. I don't even need to put this on the screen. You know how the Bible is organized. You know that first there's what? Uh-huh, pre-creation. And then after that, God, isn't that an amazing thing that he created us knowing that we were going to have conflict with him? Which is another word. What's another word for conflict, y'all? Sin. And then God did not, by the way, I told first service that all of this shouldn't even exist. Because at this point, God should have wiped us out off the planet. But instead, he made a covenant, which is another word for a what? Promise. Come on, y'all. Give yourselves a hand this morning. Somebody's been listening to the preacher. Huh? And he made good on his promise and sent who, y'all? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ means anointed one, Savior. Amen. And now we just came out of our series, Rethink Church, where the church was formed. And then the church was what? And then the church was? And then the church right now is being what? Come on, somebody. Come on. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Y'all can't say I don't know enough no more. Y'all know the whole pattern of the Bible. And then the church is supposed to be the hands and feet of who? Of, of Jesus. And the last move that Christ is going to make is recreation, which we're talking about now. Let's thank God for Pastor Regina's word last week on the ten virgins. Would you say amen? amen. Let's go, let's go, let's, go, let, let, let's, let's get into this thing. So our series now, you need to tell your friends, you need to be inviting people. Um, every week, you ought to have somebody sitting next to you trying to figure out what's going on in this world. I want to praise God today. Um, I'm taking pastoral privilege, but my man, uh, Jay and Erica are here. They were in Paris two days before. Raise your hand, Jay, Erica. They were in Paris two days before the terrorist attacks. Y'all not hearing me. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on in this world. And I thank, I thank God for my grandmother that, that told me that he protects us from danger seen. <laughs> Woo! What could have happened to you this week? Didn't happen. We know we're in the last days, and there's some stuff that should go down. Yeah, Jay will also tell you, he'll tell you his testimony at some point, but, but Jay also used to work at the World Trade Center on 9-11, was, was supposed to be at work and did not go. We know why he didn't go. <laughs> now, this is just my opinion. In my estimation, y'all are too dead in your worship for how good God is. Now, I'll be holding back on saying that. Sometimes I want to say it because I don't feel what's going I don't feel the power behind me. But y'all need to praise God as good as he's been in light of what he's done. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Come on in here. Oh. Hallelujah. Mercy. God blocked it. Yes. <laughs> oh, my. And so we're really talking about the next move of God, which is to end all this. The next move of God. We're right here. We're on the precipice. We're on the brink. We're at the exit. We're here. How many believe we're here? We're here. We're here right now. Just look around you. But I do want to say to us Americans, uh, people in the Middle East, people in China, uh, people in Russia, They've been known for a long time. Y'all been on chill mode all this time. It's amazing. Americans always, we are, oh, Jesus is coming soon. Uh, it's almost insensitive to say that just because one bad thing happens here. When this stuff's been happening in countries, people been living in a state of war. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. We're just blessed because we've been insulated. God has insulated. Oh. 
You know, honestly, and I, no doubt, there's a lot of crime in our country, and even in Cleveland. We see this summer has been un, it was unprecedented with the gang violence. Some of you've been following the story on the news with the, uh, the heartless felons and and this big-time drug dealer over in Warrensville Heights, and that that shooting that happened in the barber shop with the three, and all the subsequent reactions that happened to that. All of it is connected, and we're afraid of stuff like that, brothers and sisters. No doubt, I'm not trying to minimize the danger that we live in here, but there's somebody that lives in the Congo that's worried about their child who has already been abducted to be a part of a <laughs> we are safe. Y'all, just don't go to that neighborhood and you're good. Come on, say amen. Now, I used to leave my doors open where we live in, in Will Cleveland Heights. I live in an 80% Jewish neighborhood, 80%. And we, I mean, I left my doors open until uh, I got some stuff stolen. Some folks came into the neighborhood and took some stuff. But on, honestly, it's just, I mean, honestly, some, be honest, some of the neighborhoods we live in, you know, there's isolated events that happen. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is, is just because you're here yes. and you don't see all this other stuff, y'all, Jesus has been coming soon oh, since he died. Yes. Like everybody want to get holy all of a sudden. No, you should have been holy. As I told you, the last days is not to prepare us for the last days. The last days is to prepare us for right now. Oh, y'all missed that. Don't miss that. The, 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 the prophecies have not been given to make us ready for then. You ain't going to be ready for then if you ain't ready now. Did I just say something blasphemous? No, because what you're going to do is, especially those of y'all who got a little knowledge, what you're going to do is you're going to play the timing game. And you're going to say to yourself, well, uh, Sunday law ain't been passed. See, I'm talking over somebody's head, but somebody, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all going to say plagues ain't happened. Come on, say amen. You're going to say Antichrist ain't been revealed, has not come forward yet in all of his power. We have not seen a falling away. Some of you are saying that, and you're saying, yeah, so when I see those things, then I'll go all in for Jesus. But I'm telling you right now, the da- here's, a, here's the most dangerous part about knowing that this is about to happen. The most dangerous part is, is you know good and well, if that were to happen right now, most of us would not be ready. Amen. <laughs> And so that's why we're doing this series. All right, so let's go. I need to get into it. Uh, Matthew 25, she preached on the ten virgins. We're going to preach today on the second parable in Jesus' trilogy of parables on the parable of the talents. When Jesus preached his sermon in Matthew 24 about the last days, which I'll show, he preached three parables. Let's look at this one. The Bible says, read with me, everybody, for it will be like a man going on a what? Who called his, keyword right here, servants, and entrusted to them his what? All right, verse 15. To one he gave five talents to another come on y'all read with me read with me to another what to each one to each according to his what then he went away crucial crucial one thing I want to say right now and all three of these parables that we're going to talk about over the next three weeks uh, Pastor Johnson talked about the uh, parable of the uh, virgins last week today the talents next week the sheep and the goats all of them have one thing in common There is a delay that is emphasized, and the delay is what reveals who's on the Lord's side. It's a delay. Most folks think that when Jesus comes, that's when we'll know. No, right now, the Lord is figuring out who's with him and who's not based on the delay. The delay is the test. Okay? So then he went away. Verse 16, keep going. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made how many more, y'all? Five more. Let me go on this side. Verse 17. So also he who had the how many? Made two talents what? More. More. Somebody say more. More. All right. Go to the next one. But anytime that, listen, here's a theological principle and hermeneutical principle you should always know. When the word but is there, there's trouble coming. Come on, say amen. The Bible says, but he who had received the one talent went and dug. Went and what? Went and did what? Uh, the, other, the, real, the, the Greek word means hid. Hid in the and hid whose? Masters. All right, next one. Verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came. <laughs> Look, by the way, he is coming. <laughs> 
Oh, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled. <laughs> Lord have mercy. This is going to go down. For everybody in here, he is coming to settle accounts. Amen? Uh, uh, with them, go ahead, verse 20. I got to go. And he who had received the five talents came forward. All right, watch this now. Bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents. What? All right, go to the next one. Verse 21. His master said to him, well done. Amen. Good and faithful. Sir, how many want to hear the Lord say that? All right. Good and faithful servant. You have been what, y'all? Second time we see that word, faithful, over how much? And I will set you over what? Enter into the of your... Go to the next one. As a matter of fact, this is the English Standard Version of the Bible. Don't get nervous, but it's a real good version, especially for those of you who want to know how close the, the Bible is to the original language. ESV is actually a very good version. Verse 22, he said, he also who had the two talents came forward, same story, saying, Master, you delivered to me how many? Here I have made two talents. What? All right. Verse 23. Are y'all understanding what's happening here? And what's he going to say to him? He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Lord, have mercy. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, Lord. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you do not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. Verse 25, so I, now that's the truth. What he just said was a lie. Be out, listen, after you start talking long enough, the truth going to come out. All them excuses that you are making, shut up. Here's the truth. I was what, y'all? That's the truth. And I went and hid your talent in the ground, here you have what is? Next verse says, but his master answered him, <laughs> you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered question mark. He's not saying that about himself. He's kind of like, you knew this? This is your assumption about me? Even though you're flat out wrong? So if that was your assumption, then, go to the next verse, he says, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. Verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given. Stay here, y'all. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Go to the next one. And cast. <laughs> this brother didn't sleep with nobody. He wasn't at the winner's lounge on Friday night. He didn't get high. He's not incarcerated. Come on in here. He ain't gay. All the stuff that y'all kind of, you know, these people going to hell. Here's a good guy that just didn't do nothing, and the Lord said, you're going to hell. He says, and cast the worthless servant <laughs> into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God help us today. Let's go. Let's get into this thing. So I want to show you a video, and... Um, just watch it. Go ahead. How do you expect to get into college with grades like this? No problem. Huh? See, I'm not going to college. Damn right. <laughs> I am going to get through high school and then get a job like regular people. Regular people? Yeah, you know, work in the gas station, drive a bus, something like that. 
So what you're saying is your your mother and I shouldn't care if you get D's because you don't need good grades to be regular people. Right. <laughs> Suppose you graduate from high school. Let's say you just slide by. All right. Now, now you got to find a job. Now, what kind of salary do you expect uh, for a regular person? Mm, $250 a week. $250 a week? Yeah. Sit down. I'm, I'm going to give you $300 a week. Yes, indeed. $300 a week, $1,200 a month. All right? Great. I'll take it. Yes, you will. And I will take... $350 for taxes. Whoa! Huh? Yeah. Now, now, uh, because, see, the government comes for the regular people first. <laughs> now, now, how much, how much does that, that leave you with? $850. All right. Now, you've got to have an apartment because you are not going to live here. <laughs> so... An apartment in Manhattan will run you at least $400 a month. I'll live in New Jersey. <laughs> All right. You live in New Jersey, you've got to have a car. I'll ride a motorbike. <laughs> you need a helmet. <laughs> Figure 100 a month for... Clothes and shoes. Figure 200. I want to look good. <laughs> okay, so, so what, does that, what does that leave you with? $200. So, no problem. <laughs> there is a problem. You haven't eaten yet. <laughs> I can get by on bologna and cereal. <laughs> So, I got everything I need, plus $200 left for the month. You plan to have a girlfriend? For sure. <laughs> Dad, I thought about what you said, and I see your point. Thank you. Thank you. But, I have a point, too. Make your point. You're a doctor, and Mom's a lawyer. And you're both successful in everything, and that's great. But maybe, I was born to be a regular person and have a regular life. If you weren't a doctor, I wouldn't love you less because you're my dad. And so, instead of acting disappointed because I'm not like you, maybe you can just accept who I am and love me anyway because I'm your son. Theo, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. There's no wonder you get D's and everything. Now, you are afraid to try because you're afraid that your brain is going to explode and it's going to ooze out of your ears. Now, I'm telling you, you are going to try as hard as you can. And you're going to do it because I said so. I am your father. I brought you in this world, and I'll take you out. <laughs> that is so classic. I love that. Listen now, I know Bill Cosby's done some stuff, and, and so has everybody in here. Amen. But man, man, I love the Cosby show, man. Oh, man. I mean, they barely even show it anymore because of all that's happened. But I love this scene because I remember when I first saw it, and I heard Theo's speech. I was just like, yeah, man, he's not a, everybody doesn't have to be a doctor or a lawyer. I mean, like, your expectations are way too high for him. And I had the same feeling after Theo's speech. I was just like, yes. And then to hear Cliff Huxtable's response. Like, <laughs> every parent has probably said that to their child. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I brought you in this world. I'm going to take you out, right? <laughs> but here's the thing that I want you to get. The speech that Theo gave is very similar to the speech that we heard this guy give in Matthew, the 25th chapter. The same speech. It's a speech of limitations. It's a speech of excuses. It's a speech of, I'm trying to justify 
my incompetence, well, not my incompetence, I'm trying to justify my lack of desire to try, my laziness, my slowfulness. I'm trying to justify that by this little speech about I just want to be normal when the truth of the matter is, is it's not that you just want to be normal, and there's nothing wrong with being normal or regular. It's just that you are too afraid. And what Jesus is telling us in this text, what Jesus is telling us in this text is very similar to what Cliff Huxable said. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. When you make excuses in the face of a God that is limitless, it's dumb. So let's talk about that today. I want to talk about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The dumbest thing that I've ever heard is when I make excuses about what God can't do. When I make excuses in light of the investment that he has made in me, let's be honest, y'all, the reason why I'm not where I could be in life has less to do about the man and the system and everything else. It really has to do with my faith. It's how I view God. If, if just, just as a quick uh, refresher on what he said, remember the first excuse that he made was, I knew you to be a hard master, reaping where you have not sowed. Basically what he's saying is, is man, man, you are hard God. The reason why I haven't done anything with my life is because I didn't want to mess up because I thought you were going to get me if I messed up. And as a matter of fact, you take away more than you give. But the only reason why you're in the story, brother, is because he gave you something. That's a lie. It's a lie that God is like not a good God. That God has not given me everything I need to surpass every limitation, to move past every obstacle. As a matter of fact, a Christian uses obstacles much the same way that a weightlifter uses weights. Obstacles for the Christian simply just build his muscle. Hindrances for the Christian simply just build his faith. Uh, Trials for the Christian just raises his confidence in what God can do. Go to the next slide, because this blew my mind. Uh, Matthew 24 and 25 are sort of working together, and you've got to see the context to understand what Christ is saying. Matthew 24, Jesus is asked, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, look at the temple, and I want you to see the irony of what I'm saying. He says, look at the temple. He says, and I know how much you guys love this temple. You love it. He said, I'm telling you now, it's going to be destroyed. He said, not one stone will be left upon another. You remember that, right? And then the disciples retorted with this response. They said, hold on. Are you serious? Like everything that we put our love in, our whole identity is in the temple. It's going to go away. And they asked him, they said, when will this be and what will be the signs of this catastrophe? And then Jesus totally, stay with me, y'all, totally, stay here, y'all, totally changes the subject. They want to talk about the temple and stay here, y'all. And Jesus wants to talk about his coming. Jesus said, I don't don't have time to talk about a building that won't even be around when I get here. He says, what I really want you to be concerned about is if you're going, thank you, Lord. I'm feeling this, y'all. Y'all don't have to enjoy it. I enjoy it by myself. I need you to get in your mind. Are you going to be ready for the next big thing? You're worried about stupid stuff. You're worried about stuff that doesn't matter. You're worried about stuff that's going to burn. You're worried about things that really don't give you your identity. Your identity comes from me. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to use you. What I'm trying to do in the meantime is I'm trying to do incredible things. I said incredible. I said incredible. And as a matter of fact, as I'm preaching this now, I come against any spirit or attitude of mediocrity. I come against that lazy spirit. I come against that mindset of lack. I speak increase. I declare that God wants more for us. And I'm tired of excuses. I'm tired of my own excuses. So this text is a text about the last days. About what, everybody? Come on, I got to go about the last days. And so so Jesus starts talking about signs. He says, come on, tell me when they are, y'all. There'll be wars. Come on. 
What are going to be the signs of Jesus coming? Wars, rumors of wars, catastrophe, famine, pestilence. Huh? And then if you go on to Timothy, he says we'll start seeing uh, children being disobedient to parents. People will be mean, nasty, murderers, contemptuous. We see all these things. Are those things happening right now? He says when you see these things, he says know that your redemption draws nigh. But he said the greatest sign of my coming is this. We used to say it in the church back in the day. He, the, the, the text of, of Matthew 24, 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness to all men, then the end will come. What is the true sign of the coming of Christ? Not when there are wars, we've had that. Not when there are rumors of wars, we'll see that. Not when there's catastrophe, that's always going to go down, and yes, it's going to get worse, but Jesus says, the thing that hastens my coming, the real sign that I'm on my way, is when the gospel is preached. When God's people finally finally get off their spiritual behinds and stop going to church and start being a church. He said, and this gospel, when it's preached, will be a witness. Come. He ain't waiting for another earthquake. It's going to go down. And so watch this. Even after he outlays those signs, then he says, by the way, but no one knows the day or the hour. Isn't that crazy? Why would you tell me what the signs are going to be, then turn around and say, well, don't even worry about it because you don't even know when I'm coming. Then he goes so far as to say, he says, the son, talking about himself, does not even know. Only the father in heaven knows. Lord have mercy. I don't even know if you can wrap your mind around that. The Bible is saying Jesus doesn't know when he's coming. Jesus will not know when to come until his father said, how does omniscience means I know everything. How does he make himself not know when he's supposed to come and do the next big thing? And the only thing I can think of is that because he's so focused on saving us, because he's so preoccupied with interceding for us, because he's so caught up in keeping your heart beating and, and, and keeping your, your vitals working and then taking care of your children and then at the same time making sure your check comes on time, preventing terrorist attacks. Come on, y'all not hearing me now. Not allowing murders to take place in your neighborhood. All the while in the invisible, God is doing the work of salvation. He said, I'm not concerned about when I'm coming. When my daddy tells me to go, then I'll go. My concern right now is the salvation of my people. I know some people are just like, they're just obsessed with the signs. Now, there's a balance. Because let me show you what the text says. Go to the next one. The Bible says, this is the main theme. It says, therefore, do what? <laughs> yeah. The word watch means don't sleep. Go to that next slide. I want to... This, this is what Jesus is saying. He's like, yo. Because remember, he says, occupy till I come. Does he not say that? He says, occupy till I come. And I'm going to show you right now. Remember, the three parables that he uses to tell us how to prepare. Please don't miss this. How do we prepare? Jesus says, I got three stories for you. First story, ten virgins. What are you saying? You need the Holy Spirit. You got, look, you better be preoccupied with getting the Holy Ghost. <sighs> there are so many of us whose lives are just totally powerless. They're boring. There's no miracles. There are no signs. There's no anointing. Oh, nothing changes when you show up. You bet you operating totally on flesh. You operating totally on talent. You operating totally on your on your reputation and how you've been doing things. God says, look, this, hear me, y'all. What's about to happen is gonna be so real that if you are not full of God. I mean, listen to Jesus. Jesus is saying, be prepared. First thing I need you to get is, you better have the Holy Ghost. I didn't say you better go to church. I said you better have something inside of you. Oh, y'all not hearing me today. He says the first way we fall asleep is we fall asleep by not having God on the inside of us. Next one, he says, the talents. I need you to now manage the power that I'm giving you. The last one is the sheep and the goats. 
This is the text where he says, uh, he says, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. This is, like, this is, this is, this is sounds strange to some of you because your whole mindset in getting ready for the last days is to get scared. For real, if I came and told you, look, in about, in about two hours, there's going to be gunmen surrounding this building. And they're coming to kill everybody in here. Not to mention there's going to be a tornado that's going to happen simultaneously. In addition to that, there's going to be an outbreak of AIDS. And it's airborne. Uh, No, I'm saying when you read the scriptures, brothers and sisters, this stuff is going to happen. Right. It's going to happen. Y'all don't don't believe me. Y'all don't believe me. (laughs) Now, with all of this stuff going on in our world, violence, crime, rage, I mean, just the like, I mean, racism, just getting worse and worse. We do believe that, right? The Lord, you're, you're then like, okay, God, the world is about to go crazy. What should I be doing when that's happening? The Lord said, get the Holy Ghost, learn how to manage what I gave you, and work that thing. Then I want you to help as many people as possible. Oh, Lord. That's why I love 9-11 when the, when, when the Twin Towers were falling down. The people that, get, that, that are getting the real, the real interest of that story are these firemen. While this world is going crazy, what do they do? They run into a building that they see on fire. They climb steps. Take, oh, Lord have mercy. God is saying, I want firemen in these last days. When the world is going crazy, they put themselves aside and they go looking to save people. Go on, let's, let's get into this thing. Let's get into this thing. Let's get into this thing real quick. So, you ever heard of attichophobia? Yes, you did. You know what that is. Y'all talk about it every day. Everybody knows what attichophobia is, don't you? Come on, somebody. Somebody tell me what attichophobia is right now. Somebody's on their phone. Look at Google. <laughs> Go ahead. Next. Anyway, first service people would be the ones like fear of failure. All right, remember now. Remember Theo? Y'all remember Theo, right? What was Theo's issue? He's scared. See, look, this is crazy. See, that's why Christians are going to be so different from everybody else in these last days. Everybody else is going to be scared. We're not going to be. Everybody else is going to be like trying to protect themselves, and we're going to be trying to. To save people. How do we get ready for Jesus to come? Like, I have friends of mine that moved out into the country. They don't want to be bothered nobody. They huddling their little family together. You know what I'm talking about. Listen, some, some of y'all folk from Huntsville know exactly what I'm talking about. They got whole communities. I went to school with this one brother that quit school because Jesus was coming. But the Bible says keep working. Keep paying your bills. Keep handling your business. But do it in such a way where you are concerned about improving what I've given you so you can help somebody. (sighs) And the reason why many of us are just content in the little life we got. My wife, this all stirred me and my wife having a conversation the other day. And and we just really, you know, you know, you have those pillow talks, an amazing thing. I just want to say, I mean, the Holy Spirit moves in pillow talk. Don't, don't get uncomfortable. I'm not going to say anything crazy. Seriously, no. Pillow talk. I mean, oh, you guys, your minds are terrible. Pillow talk. Seriously. I mean, my wife and I have a conversation. And we were saying the other day, like, we think about funerals. We do. We think of dying. Like, and we're saying to ourselves, what? We're going to work. We're paying bills. We're taking care of kids. Going to work, paying bills, taking care of kids. Going to work, paying bills, taking care of kids. Going to work, paying bills. Kids are grown. They're gone. Going to work, paying bills. Don't work no more. Relaxing, waiting on Jesus to come. That's not the life I want. And I'm telling you, that kind of life is a life. I'm not, look, I'm going to show you. That life is fit for hell. Seriously. The Bible's going to show, I'm going to show you. The Bible teaches that a person who simply maintains what God has given them and does not approve it, uh, improve it to the capacity, not of people's expectations, but of his expectations, 
see, go to the next slide for me. See, a lot of people feel like that the people that are going to hell, let's just be honest, those people are going to hell. Well, you, no, seriously, we have really convinced ourselves, I go to church every week. I'm not going to go. I, I can't go to hell when I go to, I know the, the Seventh-day Sabbath. I'm an elder. I'm the preacher. No, for real, you guys really feel like Jesus is too nice. I'm not going to be lost. Oh, that's right. Pastor, you preach grace. Oh, the Lord is going to be merciful to me. And then I read this text that says that a dude that made a come up. He, the Bible says he was a slave. The Lord gave him a talent. A talent is literally worth one's life's wages. You go from slave. Oh, my God. Hey, oh, I enjoy that all by myself. You go from slave to, to increase. You go from slave to next level. Oh, y'all better praise him in here. Some of y'all need to praise him right now for what God has done in your life. You... Some of, I don't know what's wrong with us where we don't want to praise him. When you think about where the Lord has brought you from, you listen, the church saved your life. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Jesus saved your life. Do you know where you'd be if it wasn't for Lord? But for many of us, like this dude with the one talent, I agree with Les Brown. Les Brown says the wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. Dreams have died. Concepts, ideas, died. <sighs> Talents, in the grave. And you know why? I'm going to paint the scenario for you. Master comes and says, arbitrarily, he sees three. He knows who to give what. He knows what to give to his people. He knows what they can handle. He got three people. Let me get three. Let me get my musician. Come on. Come on. Because they're all talented. Come on, say amen. amen. This works. Amen. Listen, all these brothers is five talent. <laughs> all right, so, so watch this. Master comes up and says, I'm getting ready to go out of town. Here's five talents. Now watch this. Watch this. Now watch this, y'all. In the text, the text, <laughs> the text does not say that he gave them instructions on what to do with it. The assumption is, if I bless, if you're a slave, one, two, three, slave, they're slaves for their master. Y'all have to understand, in that culture, you can't look at this from a Western mind, in that culture, it was, it, it was evil for somebody to make somebody in a caste system to move them from peasant to royalty. Boom, five talents. That's it. I'm leaving, I'm going out of town, here goes five, blessing. Second. Boom, two. Now, this one right here. You know what he's doing? He's counting. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. It's a five here. In his mind, right? He got two. Now, he's probably saying, now, now these, these, these sorry, none of them work as hard as I do. Uh, you feeling that, huh? Huh? I'm the band leader. Huh? He shows up and plays the drums. He shows up and plays the guitar with his cute daughter. Like, I mean, I'm running this. And, and watch this now. So in his mind, he's trying to convince himself, this going to be 10. Based on what I deserve, it's going to be 10. Lord comes up and says, here's one. Listen, y'all, let me, let me say this. It takes a lot of character. Oh, y'all not yet. It takes a lot of character to see other people getting more than you, and you be all right with it. Now, I know, y'all say right there, I know a lot of y'all real spiritual. But you know how, how spiritual people are. 
when somebody makes a come up that they feel that they deserved. Go ahead. This brother leaves, and the scripture says he takes the five. Lord didn't say nothing to him, but he's so grateful. You can go back. He's so grateful that the Lord blessed him that he said, I got to do something with this. Number two, he knew before, listen, before the meeting, he had nothing. Now he got two, he does the same. But this brother right here. <laughs> hey, look, he's he's haughty. <laughs> he low key sorry. Why? Because he's so preoccupied. Entitlement is one of the worst attitudes you can have because it causes you not to be thankful for what God gave you and makes you feel like what you don't have is more important than what you do have. So what does he do? This dude has one talent. Now, did I tell you how much a talent is worth? A lifetime. So what is God basically saying to us? He gave him life. An additional life. Oh, this is good. What does he do with it? Nothing. So he takes his stuff, right? And he just buries it and does and just goes about his life as normal. Go ahead, bury that thing, brother. Uh, stick to playing that keyboard. You, 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 you. <laughs> Here's the thing. He buries it. Now, in your mind, you're thinking that's good thinking. He's saying, look, he only gave me one. The, the worst thing that could happen is if he comes back and I end up losing this one that he gave me. So just to, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to play this thing safe. And I'm just going to bury it and protect it and keep it so that when he comes back, I can at least give him back what he gave me. Now, let me help you out. That is satanic. You think I'm going too far. You think I'm being too unfair. Jesus said that attitude of taking what blessings God gave you and doing nothing with them, watch this, to improve it is demonic. You're too busy worried about gay people and and drug addicts and you're worried about the drug dealers and you're worried about Wall Street thieves and you're worried about ISIS and God's saying, I'm really concerned about church people who've been blessed. Church people who have testimony after testimony, experience after experience. I love what we talked about on the prayer line this morning. Most of us are more educated than we're obedient. When you compare how blessed you are, how many experiences you have, how many miracles that you've experienced, how, how many talents, there's talent. The choir, the choir is like 10 deep. I know that the choir could be 30 deep, but for many of us, we're burying our talents and we're making excuses before God that ain't going to hold no water. Excuses. I can't. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too black. I got a felony. And God says, how are you going to make excuses in the face of somebody that is limitless in his power? If I gave you those blessings, I can see that those blessings are activated. If I gave you talents, don't be afraid. God says, use what God gave you and increase it. Ellen White says that God gives gifts and we form character. He gave them the blessings and told them to do nothing. But God was assuming that if they were that blessed, if they were that gifted, if they were that talented, y'all not not listening to me. The question, slide slide to that major question that I have on the screen, Marna. Keep going, slide through that. The the question I want to ask today is, 
Don't worry about the screen, y'all. What are you doing with your life? And if whatever you're doing, is it an acceptable answer so that when Jesus looks at what you're doing with your life, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, 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 I'm just going to show you this. So I'm feeling this one talent guy because that's kind of what I do. What I do is, is, now everybody that knew this guy, they'll say, man, you came up. Right? Right? Right. Boy, man, you didn't have nothing. Now you got something. But guess what? They never knew he had it. So watch this. You know what he did? He buried his talent, but he exposed his fear. And God is calling us to bury our fears. I love this quote. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men and women to do nothing. So sick and tired of church folk running their mouth about what should happen and what's wrong with this person and why they ain't doing this and why they ain't doing that. When you look at the text, when the master came back, he didn't ask the five talent guy what the ten talent guy was doing. He didn't ask the one talent guy what the two talent guy was doing. What, what, what he said is, what did you do? Lord, what did you do with what I did in your life? And I'm learning right now that so many of us are preoccupied with everybody else's business, preoccupied with what everybody else is doing because we're trying to hide. We're trying to we're trying to avoid dealing with our own lives. What are you doing with your life? How many books should you have written by now? Lord called you to start this ministry and you didn't start the ministry because you're scared. It's not because you don't have no money. But now you know this preacher doesn't believe in that stuff of not having nothing. If God tells you to do something, you don't need you don't need nothing but your birthday clothes to do what God told you to do. I don't need money. I don't need friends. I don't need people. When God tells you to do something, you better believe that he's equipped you with everything you need to fulfill what he asked you to do. I can see now how whole churches are going to go to hell. They're not going to go to hell because they was, they was drinking. Some of them. They ain't going to go to hell because they was getting high. You know why they're going to go to hell? Because they buried stuff God told them to do something with. But then they walk around like they made it. See, I'm, this is a gut check for me because... As I'm preaching this sermon, the scary part is I have to live this. I I mean, just think right now. Think of all the things that God has revealed to you to do, but you have not done because you're afraid. And watch this. Fear is enough to burn. Are you hearing me? My wife and I, again, the pillow talk, we're saying... Like, I got to stand on a chair because y'all didn't listen to me. Like, this, this, like, going to church and coming, and amen, pastor, and then doing nothing all week long. But taking care of your family, taking care of your business, taking care of your situation. That kind of lifestyle is not the kind of, that's a one-talent lifestyle. How many assignments has the Lord given you that you said you was going to do in 2013? You ain't done yet. We think that the American dream is God's purpose for our lives. You think you made it because you got a good job? When God is saying, what are you doing with the job I gave you? And some of y'all saying, well, Pastor, I'm not as educated as you are. So God just wants me, like Theo, to have a regular life. And then you know what I hear God saying? But you was molested, but you still got your mind. You was abandoned by your parents, but you're still here. No, you don't got no high school diploma. No, you just got your GED. No, you don't got no college degree. But think of all the stuff that you survived. 
Think of all the stuff that you came out of. Think of all the miracles that God, Lord have mercy, y'all better help me to preach this thing. Think of every trial God's brought you through. Think of everything that God's blocked in your life. Education doesn't equal ministry. What equals ministry is willingness. Do you have a testimony? Has God done something in your life? Wake up, church. This is not going to get it. I told my wife this morning, I'm, I think I'm going to start wearing the same thing every day. I'm tired of getting up trying to figure out what I'm going to wear. Just too much energy in nothing. Oh, y'all not feeling me. I'm, I'm tired of that stuff. I want to be like Mark Zuckerberg and just wear a gray t-shirt and jeans every day. It seems like it's working for him. But I'm tired. I'm tired of God showing me stuff and speaking to me and, and blessing me and, and putting things inside of me. And, and then I look at my potential and then I look at my, 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 my following through with what God told me to do. And it's way down here. That's why there's no commitment in the church. Some of us are deacons and we're not satisfied. We won't be an elder. And the Lord said, enjoy your one talent. Work that talent, usher. Work that talent, praise team member. Work that talent, greeter. To take what I gave you and work with it. And if you work it and God blesses it, I'll give you more. We complain so much about what we have. And God says, I've given you enough to do what I want to do in your life. Yo, seriously, man, huh? this ain't preaching right now. This is, I'm begging. It's like, it's like we keep chasing the next survival mode. If I could just get that car, if I could just get that man, if I could just get this job, if I could just get this. And see, what happens is, is you're going to spend your whole life just trying to get the next thing, and then you'll be dead and you will have done absolutely, positively nothing with what God invested in you. Stop talking about what they're doing and what they're not doing. What are you doing? There are cures for diseases in this room. Y'all don't have to believe. I'll preach to this side over here if y'all don't want to. There's a solution to the gang problem in Cleveland in this room. There were preachers better than me in this room. There are folk who should have graduated from schools and colleges and amassed educations but have not done it because they just keep making excuses. There are businesses in here that would employ thousands, but you're scared. There's an idea that's on the, on the border of crazy and faith. But you believe it's crazy, and God's saying it's a vision. Follow on that vision. That's why I done made up my mind. I'm just going to lead this church the way God told me to lead it. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Norma Jean, I'm not answering to you. I'm not answering to you. I'm not answering to you or you. At the end of the day, when I go home at night, me and the Holy Ghost start talking. And the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, have you done what I told you to do? And, and normally what's going to happen is, is we'll hear this stirring appeal. We're going to go home and nothing routinely will shift in our week. And, and, and I love this one. Oh, Pastor, I'm, I help people. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love that. Pastor, I help people. Pastor, I do stuff. Okay. You're telling me that and I don't care. I'm, and I'm, I have no heaven or hell to give you. What I, I hear God, come on, come on, y'all, talk to me now. When you're dealing with God, we were talking about this earlier, Willie. When you're dealing with God, do you say, my life is okay? You think you got blessed the way you got blessed? You, know, you thought you got blessed the way you got blessed to enjoy it? 
that, no, see, that's what I used to think. I used to think that I'm blessed the way I'm blessed to enjoy a certain lifestyle. And the Lord says, I don't bless people so that they can enjoy. He says, I bless people so that they can walk into the joy of the Lord. Oh, y'all know. Enjoying is about me. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is when I'm ambitious for glory to his name. And when you are, am I feel this today? I'm going to enjoy this all by myself. Thank you, Lord. When you make up your mind that no matter how crazy it is, no matter how outlandish it sounds, but when you know that, can I, is anybody feeling, is you're tracking with me today? When you know that God has spoken in your life, ah, when you know that God has told you to do something and you make up your mind, come to hell or high water, I'm going to do what God told me to do. Then you start helping folk. You start blessing folk. You start seeing folk saved. Hey, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You start seeing folks saved as a result of your sorry life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And then you walk into the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is when you start getting more excited about what God is doing in other people's lives than what he's doing in your life. The joy of the Lord is when you start being concerned less about you and more about others. Amen. 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 I got to end this thing. There are wicked and slothful servants in here. Wicked and slowful. Pastor, I, Pastor, I don't cuss. But, but you don't understand. You're exceedingly blessed. And you bury the blessings. And you're using excuses. Somebody help me. What this, what's that line? Excuses are something of the incompetent. I can't remember. Tools. Oh, my God. They build bridges to nowhere. Ain't nobody trying to hear. I was locked up. God said so was Peter. So was Paul. God says, matter of fact, I use that locked up situation because of what I want to do in your life. I need some dreamers in here. Where are the the folk that don't live based on memory, but live based on imagination? You're not just caught up on what was, you're caught up on where God's taking you. I do not want to live a miserable life of looking back and seeing every place that God destined me to be, but I was afraid to walk in it. No more of this religious talk. Well, we, we got to, you know, we got to be wise. How wise is it to walk on water? Huh? How, 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 how wise? How wise is it to walk through the Red Sea? How wise is it to speak to dead people and they get up? Huh? How wise is it to dip in the water seven times when you're dirty and get up clean? How wise is that? What I need, the wisdom that you need is the wisdom of trusting the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him. What are you going to do with your life? I asked that about this church. I, ref- I am not leading no church that looks successful on Facebook. That has nice bulletins. That has a packed house. I'd rather have five people that's full of the Holy Ghost, that's ready to change the world, than a packed house full of one-talent people who are afraid to move in God. Oh, I just bless his name. This is a free worship right now. I, I, I don't even know why. I just, hallelujah. Oh, when you begin to consider how blessed you are. I mean, look, look, look in your rear view mirror and praise him. 
Look at where the Lord has brought you from. Praise him. Look at, look at the ways that he made for you to be where you are right now and magnify him. Stop complaining about your wife. Thank God for her. Stop complaining about your husband. Praise God for him. Stop worrying about your children. Thank God for your children. Thank him for your house. Thank him for your car. Thank him for your mind. Thank him for your mind. Thank him for your mind. Thank him for the blood. 